Hello and welcome to Let It Be, a podcast about less doing and more being. This is episode 29. a filming the other day where the focus was on hoarders and one of the traits many of them shared was perfectionism um and I know you had a bit of a moment when you found that out because it kind of reflected some of your own past behavior back to you so do you want to share share about your filming experience (laughs) sure uh yeah I was I was part of the audience of um insight episode um where the focus was on hoarders um yeah and I was sort of there to I guess talk about <laughs> I don't really know why I was there but anyway <laughs> one of the, there was a, a gentleman there I think he's a psychologist who works with people who have hoarding tendencies and he mentioned that one of the most common traits among hoarders along with like a whole range of other um, issues and traumas and losses and things like that, which is a much broader like, scope. But one of the most common personality traits is perfectionism. And he said that and immediately everyone there who had experience with hoarding or was a hoarder themselves was nodding, like really vigorously going, yes, mm. absolutely. <laughs> and he said it basically because what what they see is that these people will acquire things with the – uh, with with the plan of maybe refurbishing them um, or they will want to clean their house and have it really spick and span and organised. Um, but if they can't, if they don't have the skills or the, the, the capability or the time or the opportunity to do those things to absolute perfection, then they don't do them at all. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's it's really like an all or a nothing approach in that, in that instance. And I found that absolutely... F- fascinating because for me the like the shift between living a really overwhelmed physically in terms of the stuff that I owned um but also in terms of stuff I was saying yes to and all the expectations I was living under and uh it that was a time of trying to be perfect for me and it was I was really at the mercy of perfectionism and over the last five or six years as I've started to simplify and let go of the stuff and the expectations and the stress and the anxiety. I've also been letting go of um, my need to be perfect. And to me, it was, it was amazing because really what happened for me, and I can only talk about it from my own perspective, was letting go of perfectionism actually made my life better, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like I was yeah. able to, to kind of just go, you know what, mediocre is okay. Getting it done is okay. Um, not getting it done, also okay. And it was it was just a massive light bulb moment for me to to recognise how far away from that I had moved as well. And it's sometimes really nice to get that lightning bolt, I guess, of, of sort of recognition and seeing that, yeah, I have changed a lot. So I know perfectionism is something that you have a lot to offer on, Kel, so I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Yeah, I, I have so many. I'm like, oh, where do I start? What do I... <laughs> Because, yeah, so just so that listeners kind of have a little bit of a background. So I have a similar um, history to you with the overwhelm and the overwhelm and the mental health issues that came with that also came off the back of my desire to be 
perfect in every aspect of my life. And it, and it was mainly in human relationships. That's where I tend to want to be perfect. I want to be the person that always says the right thing, always intuits what someone needs to what someone needs from me, what they need to hear from me. Um, I, I've always held myself to the standard of needing to be one step ahead of everyone in my life. So, yeah, anticipating people's needs and then delivering on those needs and then actually over-delivering on their needs as well. And I brought that to, you know, my relationship with my husband, my child, um, my friends, my and, and particularly, particularly in my business, so particularly with our clients. So, And I think we might have um, spoken about this a couple of episodes ago dealing with it when talking about expectations and setting yourself up poorly because I could never just deliver on people's expectations, particularly in regard to business. I've always had to over-deliver on their expectations, which, you know, you just can't keep doing, but I expected it of myself. And that was the main way that my perfectionism kind of got a grip. That was how my perfectionism presented itself. Um and so eventually, obviously, it took a long time, but I got on top of all that. And this this year, I released a book called Practical Perfection because that's kind of where I got, have gotten to in my life, the point where I'm practical about my perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the researching of, of that book, because I was trying to, you know, I'd always, it's funny because I'd never actually considered myself to be a perfectionist. Um, so back, way, way, way back, I never used the word perfectionism or perfectionist. I was just like, I hold myself to high standards and I try to meet those standards. And when I don't meet those standards, I get really angry and upset with myself. Um, and what that actually is, is that's actually called self-oriented perfection. So there's perfectionism itself is is there's no um, given definition for it. Like there's like no acknowledgement. Yeah, like um, researchers and scientists, they, they they have proposed a few different models of it. Um, so, yeah, in my head, perfectionism was you have to be perfect at everything. Like you couldn't have an untidy kitchen counter. You can't see a, you know, a flake of dust on the ground and leave it there. Like that to me was perfectionism. Yeah. Um, but that's not perfectionism. Well, um, you can't you can't be a perfectionist in every area of your no. life. Like, I, like, yeah, I don't think you can. Um, I mean, you'd have more of a, an idea into that. Yeah, but that I was that, the same. that level of perfectionism that's tipping over into obsessive compulsive dif- disorder, which right. is then another thing in itself. And even obsessive compulsives aren't obsessive compulsive about everything. absolutely everything. Yeah. Like it's only certain things about how it presents itself. So. Um, when I was doing my research about perfectionism, the, the kind of the um, model that kind of resonated with me was the one by um, Paul Hewitt and Gordon Flett. So they offered kind of three subscales of perfectionism. Um, so they're self-oriented perfectionists who they, they adhere to strict standards while maintaining strong motivation to attain perfection and avoid failure. And this is the thing, like this, this is my personal brand of perfectionism and the main one is they engage in stringent self-evaluation so they kind of self-oriented perfectionists just they have high standards for themselves and they hold themselves to those high standards and that's that's that um other oriented perfectionists this might this is my husband um (laughs) sets they set unrealistic standards for significant others or and my family hello family (laughs) 
<laughs> Inside joke with me and Brooke. <laughs> no one else is going to get that. Um, but anyway, they set unrealistic ex- um, standards for significant others um, and they ha- they stringently evaluate other people's performances um, as well. Um, and like, While socially- neglecting their own? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. most, unless they too are also a self-oriented perfectionist. Right. So like there's people like when I share these three scales, I've gone, oh, my God, I'm all three. And I'm like, whoa. I feel, <laughs> I feel for you. I feel for you. I'm only one of these and that's kind of, you know, that takes a bit of dealing with. Um, so the third kind is a socially prescribed perfectionist. So they believe others hold unrealistic expectations for their behavior um, so they experience um, external pressure to be perfect, believing that others evaluate them critically. So I certainly have a good helping of that. Uh, yeah. But ultimately nobody holds me to a higher standard than I hold myself to. Like the, that can't, that, the level I hold myself to can't be exceeded by anybody else. I probably sure. don't notice it as much. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so what I'd kind of realised is, you know, we spend, I think I've spent a lot of time in my life, as with many other things, trying to not be a perfectionist and trying to turn that off in myself. Mm -hmm. And what I've kind of come to realize is instead of trying to turn it off, I just have to learn to manage it. And that's where I've kind of gotten to. So this is what, I mean, the question I had for you um, when you finished speaking was kind of like, do you feel like you've just managed to not be a perfectionist anymore? Or do you feel that you've learned to manage it better or is it the same thing? <laughs> um, I don't feel like I, I battle with perfectionism anymore. I don't feel like it's part of me much. Like yeah. it, there's, it's there, but it's significantly quieter than my inner mean girl, for example, tied yeah. very closely together, I think, those <laughs> two. They're very firm friends in my brain. Uh, but I don't like, – there are things – yeah, I'm I'm way more laid back than I used to be and way more forgiving of myself and also of others. But uh, I, I'm not dissimilar to you. Like the pressures that I feel and I, the tendencies, I guess, I, I, I certainly don't – I wouldn't identify myself as a perfectionist anymore. But it's still it's, – it's the first and the third sort of type of perfectionism that I had battled with and they're yeah. still like the – the ghost of perfectionist past <laughs> yeah. um, that I, I still hear rattling around in my head and that I still have to talk myself away from occasionally. Um, yeah, it was, interestingly, it was during the um, the lead-up to this filming where I had a, like a TV crew at our house, <laughs> I felt a huge amount <laughs> of pressure and that was sort of hearkening back to the, the old, the bad old days when I would put huge amounts of pressure on myself based on what I thought other people thought of me or what other people expected of me and it was a horrible reminder of what it used to be like to live in my head where I just (laughs) worked so hard to try and figure out what it is I was supposed to be and then do it even though it wasn't at all in keeping with what was important to me anymore and um, yeah so it was highly uncomfortable actually for quite a few reasons. So I've got a question for you because this is, I guess, this is something I do like. So I am very good at staying on top of these things when life is going well. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as the pressure comes on, you know, a lot, you know, have a bad week or have a full-on week or whatever, um, I find it's very easy to regress if I'm not like really, really on top of 
unless I kind of reckon, you know, I'm much better recognizing my self-sabotaging behavior now, but certainly in the past, like, yes, I'd be okay if things were going well, but as soon as the pressure was on, I would just revert straight back to yep. the, these kind of behaviors. Do you, do you find that or do you feel like that's, that's just not a factor at the moment? No, I absolutely it, feel the same way. Like I, I respond yep. in the same way, particularly when I'm feeling pressured or stressed or there's too many things happening or I'm feeling down for some other reason. It, um, yeah, again, I'm, I'm like you, I'm much more aware of it and I'm better at kind of cutting it off before it becomes a big issue. But that's when I'm more likely to slip back into those sort of either negative patterns of thought or self-talk or um, like patterns of behavior, even doing things that I know yes. <laughs> are not great for me <laughs> and I'm doing it anyway. I'm much better at recognizing that now. But uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. That's That's definitely my experience. And do you think it's like, do you think it's a control thing? Because I certainly find when I, yeah, when I'm a bit ch- feeling a bit challenged or a bit stressed, I just feel like life is a little bit mental. Like I looked, I look to where I can get control or I look to where I can give myself the feeling that I'm in control and that's where I slip back into those perfectionistic type of behaviours. And my, I think the major, major way my perfectionism manifest is the over delivering thing mm-hmm. um so yeah as soon as I find myself a bit pressured or I feel like life's a little bit well all over the place it's like I'm like I need to feel I need to do something that makes me feel like I'm living uh, winning at life again I'm going to slip back into that over delivering thing so that I can hear from someone Kelly you're so amazing and then I can go oh that's better <laughs> the world is as it should be <laughs> <sighs> that's what I that's all I needed to hear. Just, you know, maybe I should just get someone to record that so I can just listen to them saying it and I don't have to, yeah. So that's what I find I do. It's like I'm, things get it go a bit awry. I go, I need, I need to feel back in control. I need to hear I'm amazing. Okay, I'll go do this thing that I always do. And, and it frustrates me when I do it Like, because obviously I catch myself now doing it. I'm like, oh, there you go again. Yeah. Like. Because it's the it's the over delivering and the needing to be amazing for people that then lands me back in overwhelm, which yeah. is just just a horrible cycle. It it is. Um, I I do find myself probably doing that sometimes, but what I also um, do is I, I run away sometimes <laughs> too. <laughs> uh, I I am a really big fan of running away, and it's it's so. I don't know what to do about that. It drives my husband insane. Like he's like, you always do this when you, when something just gets too much for you, you just want to chuck it all in and mm-hmm. move to the bush. And I'm like, yeah. And so <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I think it's partly this it's Gretchen Rubin. I'm sure he says that, you know, there's the rebellion side of, yeah. Um, of a oh, help me out, obliger, yeah, obliger <laughs> uh, which is really like me to a T. I'll get to a certain point, and it's usually just around the point of burnout where I'm like, nope, I'm out of here. Chuck everything in the air, and I just leave. You know, and it's really it's not great. Like it's not a it's not a good way of dealing with with those kinds of feelings. But that's how I sort of then opt out. Um, yeah, so. I don't know. That's interesting. You mentioned that framework actually. So this is Gretchen Rubin's habits. Like she created a framework for um, the personality types and knowing the which of the four personality types you are to, allows you to 
form better habits because it tells you what you need to do to form better habits. So just quickly, um, the um, upholders, which is what I am, we are quite self-disciplined. We don't need other people to hold us accountable. We will, if we decide to do something, we'll just do it. Um, obligers, they like to keep other people happy and they'll generally do things because other people expect them to do it. Mm -hmm. So if they want to form a good habit, they will go, um, they will need, if someone holds them accountable, it's much easier for them to form that habit. So they will meet someone for a walk or they'll do a quit sugar program with a friend and that way they'll, that's how they form their good habit. Questioners is the next one and they um, they will only form a good habit if they've had a chance to research it and fully buy into it and then once they fully boil into it, then they'll go, okay, cool. Um, and, then, um, and then rebels are a bit like they won't do something if someone tells them to do it. <laughs> yeah. They'll flat out do the opposite. So rebels are a little bit like they just kind of have to come to something themselves. Like they're not not going to research it. They don't need to have all the data. They just kind of need to find their way to doing something themselves. So I, I just see a real correlation between like so to me, self-oriented perfectionists are going to be your upholders. Um, other oriented perfectionists are going to be questioners a.k.a. my husband, hi, Ant. Um, <laughs> and then socially prescribed perfectionists are going to be like your obligers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I see a real, real correlation there. So if anybody's kind of um, look up Gretchen Rubin Habits Quiz and you, you'll find the quiz that lets you, yeah, it's really interesting. Like, So she developed this framework for habit formation, but I've seen so much application for it because um, what perfection is 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 not being able to manage your expectations either of other people other people's expectations of you or your expectations of your of yourself um and at the end of practical perfection in the conclusion i do kind of share a, gretchen's um framework because i do believe that knowing knowing which of these personality types you are and knowing how you, you know you kind of they kind of allow you to manage your expectations of yourself better. And then when you're able to manage your expectations of yourself better, you're able to manage your perfectionism a lot better. That's mm-hmm. kind of the conclusion I got to in the book. So, yeah, that, I found her framework really useful for that. Yeah, I'm just sitting here thinking um, I, I, I have an issue with the, with, with the notion of perfect though like, and as separate to perfectionism. Yeah, you know what I mean, like my my daughter is taught by her teacher. There's, um, you know, the saying "practice makes perfect." Yes. My daughter's teacher will not say that. She says "practice makes yeah. progress," which I and love. I love. Yeah, and I was going to say I I too I try to avoid that word. Yes, with my kids because I don't want them to be aiming for that. So yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I think it's a really healthy way to to look at things because um you know most of us struggle at some point with like you say our expectations um and managing those expectations of what you know our first poem will sound like or what our first (laughs) home is going to look like or what our you know what what losing five kilos feels like all that you know what i mean all those kinds of things and it's a matter of managing those those expectations and reality uh versus you know versus what's happening in our heads but I think it's 
if we if we've got a generation of kids who can grow up understanding that practice doesn't make perfect perfect virtually doesn't exist you know yes and that's exactly it in a in a nutshell isn't it perfect doesn't actually exist no and you and I were talking before we hit record about uh you know of course my like the initial reason we came to this topic was because I was part of that show and you know they were talking about home but everywhere I look uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested in creativity and writing and business, like learning about running your own business and all that kind of stuff. Everywhere I look, everything I read, every blog, every book, every podcast, at some point the idea of perfectionism is raised. So it's not just about, you know, outward appearance. It's not just about holding mm. ourselves to a certain standard. It's not just about self-improvement. But the idea of perfectionism or like rallying against perfectionism comes into pretty much every aspect of life, which I think, um, you know, is, is interesting, but it, it affects everything, you know, regardless of how we feel about it. Um, you know, it's this, this idea of kind of all or nothing that, that really can be damaging. Yeah, and we've spoken about this this concept, this all or nothing concept, a few times before because I, it's a, I think it's a bit of a real bugbear of ours. I know it is for me, and it's yeah, it, it's a constant source of frustration to me that if people think you're into, so say like if you um, put yourself forward as a minimalist, then you must be minimalist in everything, yeah. and everyone and people are kind of sitting there looking to wait to catch you out a yeah. little bit, and this is the kind of crap forgive me um that stops people from doing these things yeah and it's so frustrating to me like i just go if we are going to yeah take this all or nothing approach that like you can't call yourself this if you do this thing that's slightly against what you're preaching there that's right like then you don't get to call yourself that and then and then this is the thing that, that ends up permeating every single thing that we do. And this is when I'll, I'll invoke Gretchen again, where she says, you know, don't let perfect be the enemy of the good. Mm. So you know, and and that applies so widely to just every single thing that we do in life. Like you know, if you're going to sit there and agonize and spend twenty hours writing a blog post and then still at the end go, oh, I don't think I, I'm not going to press publish. Like what? What a waste! Yep. Like you've just I just you know, and you know me, I'm this never die wandering personality. So I've it's funny that I have this these perfectionist tendencies, yet I will there's one thing I can't handle and it's um not putting stuff out there mm. because I'm like, how will I ever know if I don't put stuff out there? Like there's no point keeping this stuff to myself. And I, I need to know what people think or whether this resonates or if this is a good idea or if this is this thing that I'm trying is a bit shit or not. And, you know, God, I've put so much stuff out into the world and I have so much of it has been absolute rubbish, you know. Like, But it's so funny because I'm sure people look at me and go like, you know, they only end up seeing the good stuff. And this is what people kind of forget. Like if you put something that's a bit rubbish out in the world, it's not fatal because no one sees it, (laughs) you know. And we are like we we are the – the person most likely to see it and acknowledge yeah. it and agonize over it, you know. And I think this idea, like you were saying, the all or nothing idea stops us from doing and trying so many things. Um, and I think that is the great loss and sadness about this mm. idea of perfect. Like if we could just get rid of it, 
you know, you don't need to to look a certain way before you start going to the gym. You don't need to, yes. you know, ha- ha- own a certain number of items before you can identify as someone who likes to live simply. You don't need anything in order to be anything other than, you know, a, a, like an attempt to try. But it's that, oh, that, that need for perfection. Like, it doesn't exist in any like in any form, yeah. it just it just doesn't exist in any way that we can manipulate. So I think um, you know, like that would be my takeaway from the whole idea of perfectionism. Like, is like I still have the tendencies to go back to your question a while ago. I still have the tendencies to do things to a certain standard, but I yeah. let go of the fact that anything can be perfect. I now acknowledge wholeheartedly that nothing is perfect, and in that, for me, is so much freedom. Like that's really where all my big changes come from going, this is not perfect. This is not, you know, as it should be. And I'm doing it anyway. Uh, and for me, that's been like, huge. Absolutely. And I just think I, I love the word freedom there because it is so freeing to put stuff out in the world, have it kind of bomb, realize no one cares hey, I'm except not you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not fatal. No one cares except you. And the more you put out there, the more you get. And I just, I just see it as testing and experimenting. I love testing and experimenting. But if you're never willing to kind of go that step of trying something, throwing something at it, and I, I know we can go too far. I know we can go just chuck anything out there and see yes. if it sticks. And so there's obviously, you know, a fine line. And I'm. I don't want to make this podcast like go for an hour, but I do have, I do have one question, and I'd love to hear what you think of it. It's like, where do you reckon the line is between cutting ourselves some slack, so allowing perf- you know perfect to not be the enemy of the good, and um, just being a bit lazy? <laughs> I think I, I sway between those two things. Like I sway between giving myself slack and being kind of self compassionate and being lazy. Like genuinely, I do. Yes. There's so many areas, that I'm like. That's like, yeah, I could dress that up and make it look like I'm being compassionate to myself, but that's just lazy. (laughs) (laughs) Gee, I love that you said that because I am so 100% the same and it's kind of like instead of, and again, I reckon this is a perfectionist in me that's inclined to find the line and and be on the right side of it every time and sometimes just, just, you're just going to be lazy. Yeah. And and I don't know. I don't. Even, I was gonna say like you know the line is honesty. Like you know sometimes you just need to be honest with yourself. But you know what? Sometimes you just have to go. Whatever it is, what it is. I just exactly. don't feel like doing that thing properly. That is End of more story. Than now. Like, I feel <laughs> yeah. like the line is very fluid and it's very broad <laughs> and kind of fuzzy. it's not a fine line it's a very fat line and okay and sometimes you can be right on the line exactly it's good yeah I I like that I I like the idea of just you know I think that's almost when you know you're there when you're kind of managing things very well where you just go it is what it is like I'm doing the best I can and I think that's the as long as you can say I'm doing the best I can with the resources I have available available to me right now Everything could always be better, but, yeah, I'm just doing the best I can. Yeah, exactly. Every, that's really helpful, actually, I think, because you could stand there and you could perfect and tweak and, you know, work on something until forever and there would always be a way to improve it. Um, yes, and, that's, and I think that's the important thing to know is that 
no matter how much time you've put into something, no matter where you've gotten that thing to, I guarantee you if you return to that thing in a year, you'll see about 10 ways to make it better. Exactly. Like uh, without, a, without a word of a lie, it could be like a 300-word email that you've finessed and finessed and finessed and guarantee you go back like, you know, next year and you're like, oh, it's so obvious I could have made this better. So just I've 100% found that. Yeah, just let it go. Thank you for listening to this episode of Let It Be. If you want to connect with Kelly or myself, you can find us on social media. Kelly is at Kelly Exeter on Twitter. And on Facebook, if you search for A Life Less Frantic, you will find her there. And on uh, Twitter, I'm at Brooke McCallery. And on Facebook, I'm at Slow Your Home. And uh, if you wanted to either reach out to us on Twitter, you can use hashtag Let It Be Pod. Or uh, head over to letitbe.fm and you can find our show notes and other information about the show. And finally, if you wanted or felt you know, the desire to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, that would be wonderful. And um, you know, we, we read them all and we appreciate you taking the time to listen and then uh, tell us what you think. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.